I always tell people that if there's a problem to solve, we can find a way to solve it with GIS. There, there is plenty of opportunity. Welcome to episode 21 of Small Talk, the podcast from Communities Unlimited. My name is Chris Baker. Today is episode number two in our GIS podcast series, and I'm joined by Trent Nethery. Trent is the GIS project manager here at Communities Unlimited. Okay, so you're the GIS project manager, Trent. What do you do? (laughs) Pretty much, I kind of oversee the progress of all of our GIS projects. I make sure that everything is going along on schedule, making sure that we are meeting our deadlines, making sure that our staff has everything that we that they need, you know, just making sure that things keep rolling. I uh, just, you know, check and make sure that we are completing our deliverables as required. I kind of keep tabs just just on the schedule of things. I spoke with Don last episode, Don Becker, and Don was telling us a little bit about what GIS is, how it's used in communities, kind of informing us, because if I don't know what GIS is, I, I'm I'm lost already. So why don't you give me your perspective on what GIS at Communities Unlimited is used for and all of that? Yeah, GIS, it's a, it's a big world. It's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that encompass it. But in general, it's, it's a way to manage data in a way that is easy to see, easy to understand. It's a way to organize data um, in a method that anyone can pick up and understand what we're referring to. It allows you to make better decisions just using those, using the power of those maps, um, you can see where things are located spatially rather than just having maybe a list or a, a spreadsheet or some other form where your data is stored. It allows you to manipulate it in a way that's a little bit easier to understand. And I have to say, a lot of the communities that we work in are very, very rural. And oftentimes, I have to imagine, and get, please correct me if I'm wrong again, we're bringing a highly technical, uh, very technology-based uh, product into a very rural community. That's got to be a, a big gap right there. How do you guys navigate that? Yeah, it is a big gap. And that is something that we're working on every day. It's something that we are training our staff. We are working on training ourselves um, how to meet these folks where they are and find out what their level is and how we can meet them there um, to help them understand what we have to offer and what the tools can do for them. So it really it really depends on their level, their um, understanding of technology. Sometimes they may have been exposed to a similar type of GIS product before. Sometimes they may have never had any experience at all and have spent their entire career working with paper maps or drawings. And we are taking those things, digitizing them, making a tool that is easy for them to use, um, but then just teaching them what they can do with it and how they can use it and how they can harness that power of that tool to better the way they manage their water system. And the tool you're referring to there is a map, right? I mean, yeah, yes, that's correct. Whenever we leave a community, we are leaving them with a mapping application that can be utilized on a desktop computer or on a mobile device like an iPhone or a iPad tablet. And they can take that map and manipulate it in order to manage their system. And so if I understand it, 
correctly. I would love to hit the field with you guys sometimes so I have a real full appreciation of it. But you guys will go into a community. Oftentimes you'll have an entry level amount of information about, say, a water system or whatever it is you may be mapping. And then you go out and you literally visit all of those points and make them more accurate and maybe add some and subtract some. Yes, that's correct. We go into a community and we have a rough idea of what's there. We take old maps that already exist. They could be original as-built maps from when the system was installed. They could be hand-drawn maps. They could be engineering drawings from previous updates, previous editions. We take all of those things, take them into consideration, and create a list of what we're looking for. So we have a rough idea um, of the number of water meters, for example, when we go into a community. That may not be entirely accurate depending on the accuracy of um, the previous maps and data that we have. So we kind of go in with a rough idea, but kind of blind at the same time. Once we arrive in the community, we partner with the local staff. So with the water operators, with meter readers, whoever is on staff there in the community that knows the system well, we, we really want that assistance to help them build the capacity. So they understand what we're doing. We kind of understand what they're doing and we can work together to create this product, this map product. So we team up with them and we will usually get in a truck and just start driving, visit every single water meter, visit every single valve, every fire hydrant, any storage facilities they have, any water towers, storage tanks. Uh, We visit their wells and pumps. Pretty much any apparatus they, they have on their water system, we are actually physically visiting that location. And because we have a a list beforehand, we'll have a rough idea of, you know, in general, like the address maybe of where that water meter is, but we'll actually take our high accuracy GPS unit, go visit that unit, whatever it is, meter, valve, and collect a very high accuracy GPS coordinate of that location. And the benefit of this is that they now have the location of that asset forever. If uh, it becomes buried, maybe um, the road is paved over and the the valve is buried or um, vegetation grows up around the meter box and they can't find it. They actually have a very high accuracy GPS coordinate that they can walk right up to that wherever it is. When you say high accuracy, what is the difference between, say, plotting something on my phone versus what you're talking about? Yeah, so our GPS units, we have a an accuracy of roughly about a three-foot circle, three-foot diameter circle. So the way I describe it is if you were to take paint and paint a three-foot circle on the ground where that location is, that's where you're, that's where you need to dig in order to find that whatever it is, maybe a buried valve. If you were to use your phone, it's more like 10 to 15 feet. Hmm. And so if you think about that um, in the workload that that is, yes, you you can get close with a phone, but it's not near as close and you'll spend a lot more time digging, a lot more time looking. Um, So having the high accuracy GPS unit is very valuable. Yeah, I could see that from a from a time saving standpoint, from a cost saving standpoint. I mean, if you're going to have to dig something up or something has a problem, better dig a three foot hole than a 10 foot hole. Right. Each time. Absolutely. Yeah. I have heard the term buried assets bandied around at work and I never really knew what they were. That makes sense. Walk me through an engagement with a community. 
maybe share some anecdotes of things you've seen that you think might be common, that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're, we're working with all different types of communities. We work with all different sizes. I have personally worked with communities that have 100 people all the way up to several thousand. The experience varies with, with those two things. Oftentimes, we're seeing in these rural communities that we know that there is a lack of educated water operators in the industry. We know that. Oftentimes, we will come into a community and maybe there is, there's a water operator that has been there for many years and is ready to retire. And they're struggling to find someone to replace them that has the same capability in order to maintain that water system to the level that it has been. In a typical scenario like that, we are often trying to collect the knowledge from these operators with years of experience and try to get them into a digital mapping interface so that a new staff member could come in and actually use that information. So if it's stored in a map, it's no longer in this other guy's head, right? And he can he can actually impart his knowledge in a way that other people can use it. So that that's that's the goal of what we're trying to do. And I have to imagine that when you're in the field, you might have seen some stuff. Uh, you might have experienced a thing or two. Yeah. Um, GIS field work is it's an adventure, to say the least. It, it is an adventure. We never quite know what we're going to get into. Um, you know, like I mentioned, we have a rough idea of what a community is on paper. Um, but actually when we get there, you know, we've, we've been in places where we've had water up to our ankles. Um, we're kind of walking through the mud (laughs) to get where we need to go. Plenty of times we're searching through the woods to find something. It's pretty common for communities to have these little back roads that are not paved. So you need four wheel drive to get where you're going. I worked with a community recently that there was only two paved roads in the entire county. And so if that tells you anything, now I drive a big four-wheel drive truck so that I can get to these places. Um, But oftentimes we're relying on these operators to have vehicles that are capable. And with communities that are kind of low, low budget, or they just need more assistance, they may only have one old pickup truck to do all the work that they need to do. We're we're going into this knowing that we're going to have to solve problems and kind of adapt to this to the scenario. We often have to fight off dogs <laughs> in front <laughs> yards. <laughs> uh, it's always the little ones that uh, come out and bite you. You know, they they uh, they want to put their teeth on you. So the little um, ones are always the ones with the attitude, aren't they? Yes, the little ones are always the ones with the attitude. Absolutely, that's pretty common. We're talking to Trent Nethery. Trent is the GIS project manager here at Communities Unlimited. And you are listening to Small Talk, the Communities Unlimited podcast. Hey, Trent, um, I know that you are you you're you're a technology embracer. You're very good at a lot of things. We're gonna get into your drone work eventually, but I kind of wanted to ask you: water systems are pretty easy for me to understand in a GIS uh, perspective. Is there any other uses that you see that 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 kind of seem obvious to you that maybe you feel like people aren't taking advantage of enough? Is there anything out there that's like exciting to you in that world? Yeah, GIS is one of those tools that can be adapted to anything. I always tell people that if there's a problem to solve, we can find a way to solve it with GIS. There, There is plenty of opportunity. Anytime that we have location-based data, that could be anything, anything that you can think of that 
any type of data that has an address or a even a zip code or just any any sort of location-based data, we can organize with GIS. We have created products in community for things like solid waste or things like tourism. For example, we could create a tour guide for a community where maybe they have several historical sites and we want to go ahead and put those on a map, maybe write a story about those, um, have some sort of guide for people to come in and explore that town, bring folks in that would otherwise normally not have a way to engage with that history, for example. We could create maps of trail systems or anything with location-based data that we want people to have access to. Also, there's a component of emergency management that is that GIS can be utilized for. So one of the great things about it, it's not just points on a map. It's actually data storage and data analysis. So When you have a map interface, you might have points on a map, but each point, if I were to click on that point, then I can have files and photos and notes and all kinds of data that I can store in there. I could see a use case of maybe you have a map of all your community facilities, community buildings, government buildings, things of that nature, and then stored in the GIS, you have your emergency plans, you have your your fire information, your, you know, all, all of those emergency documents that you need to have on file somewhere, but you just have that organized inside the GIS. Yeah, I know we've done some uh, <clears throat> some interesting projects with like things like cemeteries and, and things like that. The magic, in my opinion, of GIS is the attached data to that uh, picture, stories, files like you were talking about. That seems like where a lot of the cool stuff can be. Definitely. In in the case of the cemetery, that's that's a great example. That was a project where we actually mapped a location of the headstones in the cemetery. And then attached to each location is the name, the birth date, the death date, and then any other information about that person. So in this particular project, there were several famous people that were buried in this cemetery. And we were able to kind of write up a paragraph about them, about their life, you know, not only to save that knowledge, but also to create a tool so that that family members can come and search for their loved ones and find out where they are buried. They can actually just search them by name and their location will pop up and they can walk right up to them. Lots of lots of possibilities with it, man, especially for communities like that are making that uh, leap from not having anything like this to um, to something. I hope that people really dream a little bit and are able to see the possibilities. You know? Yeah, most definitely. You're also our de facto drone expert. Let's talk about those things you fly up in the air. Tell me what you use them for and uh, tell me about them. So we have a fleet of two DJI Phantom 4 drones that we use. And these drones are specifically made for very high quality photography. So they have fantastic cameras on board. So we have used them for photography. And in GIS, whenever you're creating a map, you need to have a reference layer called a base map. And a base map is super important because otherwise it would just be points floating in midair. You wouldn't be able to have any context where anything is located. Now, whenever you create a GIS application, there are some default base map options. You can do like a satellite imagery layer, you know, what what you would typically see like on a typical Google Maps, you know, like a street view type of layer. But one of the downsides is that you are limited to whenever that map was last updated. Take, for example, the imagery layer. I don't know if that imagery layer was updated 
six months ago or five years ago. It just depends on the imagery that's available. So the downside of that is, let's say, like the cemetery, for example, we want to show exactly where all the headstones are today. We want to show the trees and we want to show the roads and we want to show the exact layout of that cemetery today. So in that case, in that project, we took our drones and we flew the drones over the entire cemetery property. We can create a program to that tells it to take a photo every few feet or so. So we end up with around 300 photos of the entire property. And each of them are geo-referenced. So the drone has a GPS on board and it knows where it took that photo. Then we can take all of those photos, put them in a software that stitches them together and creates a geo-referenced imagery layer called an orthomosaic. And that orthomosaic essentially serves as a base map that is up to date immediately. So that is what we see today, no matter what. And because we're actually using our own equipment, we're not relying on satellites that are orbiting above the Earth. We're actually flying 300 feet above the surface of the Earth. We can get really crisp, high quality imagery that you can almost zoom in and read the name on those headstones with this imagery. There are a few other use cases that we could potentially explore. We have used them for branding types type of things. We can use them for water tower inspections. We can use them to take photos of different assets in the water system, and we do use them for that. Whenever I provide a mapping application to a community, I like to include photos of that water system. So if I have the opportunity, I will bring the drone with me every time I go out in community, and I'll take a photo of maybe their downtown area, or if they have a water tower, I'll take a photo of that, you know, because oftentimes they're painted up nice. They have like the high school mascot on it for something, or they have the, the community name, and that makes a great cover photo. It adds value to the product that we are providing them. It also adds a sense of pride to them. Like, this is my map. This is my product. This is my community. And I'm proud of it. Talking to Trent Nethery. Trent is the GIS project manager here at Communities Unlimited. This is episode two of our GIS series. Hey, uh, Trent, if there was something you wanted people to know about working with a GIS, what would you tell them? What would be your you know, advice, I guess? I'd say embrace the technology because the world is changing. We're relying more on technology every day. And this is something that has so much potential to provide value to future, to future staff. It's it's almost future-proof. No matter who is on staff in the community now, that knowledge is then saved for the future. And we're not relying on purely human memory. We see that water system staff, they'll have an idea, maybe, I think this valve is here. I'm not sure. I think it was paved over. I don't know. Those are questions that we we don't have to be concerned about not remembering or losing knowledge. We have a database of that information stored forever to use. And we can always go back to that. So I would say embrace it. Learn as much as you can. Oftentimes, um, water systems are going away from the traditional manual read type water meters and going to these digital radio read meters that a GPS coordinate is collected during installation anyway. So we already understand the value of having the location of that asset. So just embrace it. Like you said earlier, dream of ways that you can use it. There's no limit. The sky's the limit. 
on solutions that GIS can provide. Yeah. Kind of what you get out of it is what you put into it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up, Trent? Because I know the my experience with the GIS department is very surface level. I, I haven't delved deep into it too much. It seems like a whole lot of fun. It seems very valuable to a community. Is there anything I'm missing? Asset management is a big part of GIS that we are learning how to implement. Every state in our seven state region has kind of different requirements for what they need for asset management. To explain what asset management is, essentially, we are taking an inventory of everything in the system. So everything that I've already talked about, water meters, valves, hydrants, including the water lines, the mileage of the water lines, all the materials, makes and models about all of those products, pumps, storage tanks, everything that is owned by the water system. Those are our assets. And we need to keep track of those when they're installed, what their useful life is, makes models, schematics, maintenance records, everything about those things. Traditionally, that is done in a database, some kind of spreadsheet. GIS is a great tool for that because we already have the location of that asset with the GPS coordinate. In order to create an asset management plan, we can add all of that information into those points. So take a valve, for example. If I were to click on a valve, I can go ahead and store inside of that data point the make, the model, the install date, the useful life, any maintenance records, the size. I can also store in which water lines are affected by that valve. So if I were to shut that off, how many of my residents are affected? That goes into the, the critical score of that valve. So if that were to break, how many people would be without water? All of that can be stored inside the GIS. So what's great about this is that it's just it's a digital version of that of that spreadsheet. And in a way that's a little bit easier to see, it's a little bit easier to understand. Yeah. So if you're going to, if you have a map and you have valve number 42, you could store in things like you were saying, like the make and model, you could store the PDF of the, you know, the instructions or whatever the case may be, uh, when it was last serviced, um, those kind of things. And it just makes, man, it makes that workflow a lot easier. I mean, there's a lot of input to do, but the value, the output is tremendous there. I mean, it has to be. Yes. And what's also great is inside the, G the GIS software, different ways to write code to make calculations and, and organize your, your assets in a way that's, that's easier to use. And we can use that to do calculations like we know the install date and we know today's date. So let's do a calculation of how old that is automatically. So when I click on a valve, I can instantly see the age of that valve. If I also know that the useful life for a product, like a meter, is 10 years. So if I installed it, let's say I installed that meter in 2014, we're now 10 years. We're at 10 years. So the useful life of that meter is up. Let's say a item like a fire hydrant has a useful life of 50 years. I installed it in 2010. I can do a calculation and see, oh, well, it's been 14 years, so now that useful life has dropped, and I can see the calculation of the remaining useful life. And that's beneficial for budgeting. I can tell it, I can have the GIS give me an alert, give me a notification when my useful life has dropped down to whatever I set it to be. That could be five years or two years or one year, depending on my budgeting needs, so that on the finance side of things, 
I can know that, hey, I have some assets in my water system that are almost used up. They have almost completed their useful life and it's now time for me to budget and I can go ahead and consider that in the next five years, I need to replace 10 fire hydrants, for example. And I can go ahead and think about that and what that entails. Makes so much sense, man. How does an engagement with the GIS team here at Community Zone Limited work? Um, Is it often kind of a one and done? Are you guys constantly talking to communities, helping them with their their product and all that? How does that work? Yeah, we have a couple of different options that we offer. We have options that we can come in to a community, collect the data, as we talked about, visit every asset, collect the data. But then we have a level of support that we offer. I think it's 20 hours of support. And that is, that's phone calls that can be Zoom meetings that can be training. That is that is completely up to the community to decide how they would like to use that. We do offer in-house data storage. So whenever we work with a with a community, we create them a map and then we offer them the ability to host that map through Communities Unlimited. So we will continue to maintain their map on our servers. We will back up their data. And that's for a yearly fee that the community will pay. And they can pay that for as long as they would like to continue the services with Communities Unlimited. Okay, cool. Well, Trent, I do appreciate your time. I guess to wrap up, I would ask you, um, do you have an, an ideal example of a community that used GIS and is still using it properly? Or is there an all-star out there? Yeah, so Waldron, Arkansas comes to mind. They're one of our communities that they use GIS for both their water system and their wastewater system. So we have mapped both and we have been supporting them. They love it. They they speak highly of it. They use it all the time. Um, they they keep it up to date every day. I think they're one of our communities that they they log in just about every day. And that is an ideal situation. The GIS should be a tool that you carry in your pocket and you use every day. And you log in and every time that you make a change, every time you make an update, you make a repair, you add a asset or remove an asset, that update is that's updated immediately into the GIS. It's always accurate. The downside of paper maps is as soon as you print the map out, it's out of date, right? The GIS is always up to date. It's always in real time. Anyone can get in there and see what's going on with the system. So yeah, Waldron, Arkansas, they're doing great things and, and we love working with them. All right, Trent, GIS project manager here at Communities Unlimited, Trent Nethery. Uh, that's episode 21 of Small Talk in the Books. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with episode number 22. Thanks, Trent. Thank you.